let's uh, let's have a let's have that rolling start then. So we're discussing in the kitchen because we're getting better at doing this podcast on time because usually it takes us 15 20 minutes to set up it is it is 15 minutes after we start (laughs) well just just imagine how bad it would have been if we'd have started at three o'clock like we used to um but david kindly pre-prepared the drinks and we were theorizing in the kitchen right it would be it would be a nice courteous thing to do if every time someone went to the kitchen here in the building they Mm -hmm. boiled the kettle because you know the coffee every time you come to the coffee machine the coffee's there it's ready to go because it's kept warm but you don't get that luxury with a cup of tea. Mm. So turn the kettle on every time you go into the room. And we were saying much in the same way that they recommend that you always keep your heating at a certain level in the house, uh, because if it dips too low, the price of bringing it back up to where it was before would outweigh the cost of just keeping it constant. Do you think boiling the kettle at five-minute intervals throughout the day would cost less energy than doing it from cold? Sounds like a terrible idea. What we need is one of them hot water taps where you just press a button and you get instant like boiling water. Yeah. Well, my wife could tell you all about those. She managed to burn herself on one of those not long ago. It's a good idea in theory. But if you want hot water, yeah. You want to avoid horrible burns, probably not. Also, you want to put the hot water really, isn't it? You're Mm -hmm. not supposed to... uh, Put boiling water on your hand. Well, yeah, that. And you're not supposed to re-boil water before you put it into tea because it boils all the um, oxygen out of the water so it makes your tea taste awful. Really? You're supposed to use freshly drawn water every single time. Oh, okay. Bit wasteful though, isn't it? Well, you just want a good cup of tea or not? (laughs) What is it for a good cup of tea? When you use your iron, do you, do you got, have you got one of the irons with water in? Yeah. Do you empty the water out in between? Yeah, because otherwise it leaks everywhere. Oh. It rusts. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe it rusts and then leaks as a consequence. Maybe. Well, mine leaks just normal water until it then rusts and then leaks rusty water, which means I can't then iron anything white ever. <laughs> All your clothes are brown. <laughs> yeah. Just that nice rust-colored beige. Okay, last one, last theoretical situation. I've got an espresso machine at home. Ooh, fancy. You, you fill up the water thing, you put it on the back, and then you press the button and it'll do your cup of coffee, uh, an espresso. I leave that and I just kind of use it throughout the week. Now, technically, the water's not been boiled before, but it may stagnate. Would boiling it take the stagnation out of it? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) This has been the Unraveling Technology (laughs) Podcast. When you're out camping, you boil the water, right? Yeah, but there's usually some sort of tap nearby, isn't there? Well, Or you're talking about from a stream. Yeah, if if you fill your pan from your stream and then you boil your water and then that kills everything off in it. I don't oh, think you go to, you'd it do probably, extreme camping. Yeah, I was just thinking I've never been to a <laughs> no, camping okay, site. Okay, no, I, when you, meaning when other people. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. okay, the inclusive kind of if, when you. If you didn't have the tablets that you put in water and I don't, I don't like camping, I don't know. I don't know why I'm answering <laughs> this. <laughs> My favorite part of camping is waking up freezing the next day. Or yeah. too hot. Or too hot. Yeah, it's never happened. Always freezing for me. Or finding that everything in the tent is damp. Yeah. I was watching something recently where someone goes camping and they sort of woke up wearing like a, li- a light T-shirt. You just you know, kind of threw off the covers. And I thought, that is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> of all the things in this, whatever it was, that was definitely the most ridiculous. Welcome to episode 52 of the Unraveling Technology podcast with me, Joe Tonks, David Johnson, Adam Willerton, and our guest for this week, Matthew Richards. Thank oh. you for joining us, Matt. Yeah, it's all right. It's yeah. nice to be here. Good. Yes, this will be your fourth time, is it? I, I think, think so, yeah. Yeah, one more and you get a free podcast. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to be hitting a lot of acronyms this week. CES, AGDQ. What do we want to start with? Should we start with CES? I suppose that's the headliner in the general technology world. So since we're called Unraveling Technology, let's start with that one. So CES, um, the Consumer Electronics Show, is it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go with that. I'm going to pretend I know, but... Me and I can't remember who it was. Someone we were sort of muddling through the acronym in the the kitchen earlier. I think it was um, Central Electronics. Uh, I couldn't remember. Entertainment, is it? Summit? We thought it ended with Summit <laughs> at the end of it and thought that's giving it far too much credence. But 
Yeah, CES, it's run from uh, the 9th of January until today. Mm, uh, last Sunday. Oh, was it last <clears throat> Sunday? Yes. I just went on the CES website, and it says 9 till 12th. Oh, wait, no. No, I've read that totally wrong. I apologize. That was for some other thing. Innovators <laughs> always think it. That's CES 2018. It's going well, this, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you are in the thick of it with live podcasting here. Oh, well, anyway, it was at some point last week, there was CES, where they introduced a lot of new electronics, running the whole gamut, computing stuff, uh, just your day-to-day. Yeah. Robotics. Robotics. Cars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. TVs. TVs. Always TVs. If you can't can have put... a consumer electronics show without TVs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of old hat at this point, isn't it? Although there were still some some good ones there. Mm. But, but yeah, general vibe is if you can put an electric current through it, it it makes the cut. Yeah. I wonder if they do have a standard like you have to be a, your product must be able to plug into a wall or something Maybe. to be I eligible mean, to. Based on everything I saw, uh, electric key point and ridiculously expensive or a concept also seems to be mm. what they were showing off. Well, I guess it's talking. I mean, we're not going to be talking about the latest, the the, the middle, the middle level TVs. S- some, we? Somebody's made a laptop that's affordable and it's got decent specs, but nothing special. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's going to cover that. No. What we're going to cover is the laptop that's got three screens on it. Let's dive in straight in mm. with that one. Well, I think for my money, for my for my personal opinion, there were two two portable computing devices that were worth talking about. So you had the uh, Project Valerie, which was a Razer laptop, and then there was the Acer Predator 21X. So the first one that I saw, and I sort of invited a couple mm. of people around the office to hover around my desk and look at it, was the uh, Acer Predator 21X. So this is a laptop, if you could call it that. Yeah, you were playing fast and loose with the word portable. Yeah, you are. I mean, if we're talking something that functions without a power cable plugged into it, there is a battery in there somewhere, it's, presumably. It's got two power cables. It has, hasn't it? <laughs> I mean, I said, whenever I buy a new graphics card, more than the power, more than how powerful it is, I always look at the power consumption, mm. consumption usually, because I think if I'm going to be playing this thing many hours... Then I want, you know, is 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 the cost of having it over its lifetime going to make it far more expensive than it initially seems? So I always try and go for the the smaller, lower, footprinty lap, uh, computer or graphics cards. Uh, yeah, the Predator Twenty One X is a, a massive laptop that requires two power supplies and has a curved screen. Yeah, Twenty one inch curved screen. Twenty one inch curved screen. Yeah. Weighs four kilograms. It, I'm not sure exactly, but it looked about three or four inches thick. Yeah. And had, was it two GTX 1080s in SLI? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. So if you want if you want specs, I've got specs in front of me. You've got an Intel 7th generation KB Lake Core i7. Um, you've got 64 gig of DDR4 RAM. Uh, you've got two GeForce GTX 1080s running in SLI with 16 gig of GDDR5X VRAM. Okay. And you've got room for up to four SSD drives in RAID 0. Wow. We we also forgot to mention that it's got an actual mechanical keyboard. Like full-on mechanical. Just ridiculous. That's that's great. That's right. And the other thing is as well, because it, it's massive, so you, you already have scope there for a full-size keyboard. But to, on the right-hand side, you have space for a touchpad, mm-hmm. uh, which is a very decently sized touchpad. Yeah. But to give you to give you an idea of the size of this thing, you've mm-hmm. got a regular sized keyboard, and then a touchpad on the right-hand side of that. That's the width of the keyboard yeah. of the of the uh, laptop. Yeah, and then you've got the shell, which brings it out a little bit wider. And if you think that the the monitor covers that entire surface, it's it's pretty big. Four kilograms. I mean, I wonder how much our laptops cost. Matt, you're probably best to weigh in on this as the other person in the company with a big 17-inch laptop that you lug around everywhere. But uh, do you find after the first couple of months of owning that laptop that it's unwieldy? Unwieldy? A little bit. Yeah? Yeah, Yeah, when I'm sat at my desk and it's on this little stand and I've got two screens, three screens plugged into it, Mm -hmm. it's great. It's fine. And then I have to go places and I'm like trying to 
rest it in a server room while I'm trying to do stuff, and there's nowhere big enough to put it. Can you hold it one-handed? Not really. See, you'll get there. <laughs> you'll get to the point where you can hold it one-handed. You have to kind of balance it like a seesaw across your arm and make sure you don't press the key too hard in case it flips out of your hand. Do you do weightlifting exercises in the mornings for, to prepare for bringing your laptop to work? <laughs> uh, I don't need to anymore. Just, I'm just It naturally happened. I interrupted you talking about the uh, the keypad. Mm, yes. So, so. This, uh, you've got a, a number pad off to the side, uh, but you can. It's like a, a modular thing where you can take the you can take the trackpad out. Yeah. Sorry, I've ruined it there. Yeah. So you've got your normal size keyboard, and then on the side of it, you've got this trackpad. But it's like a modular trackpad that you can actually physically pick up, turn around, rotate it 180 degrees, and there's a number pad on the back of it. And then, and not only that, it's a number pad that also has under-key lighting. It's it's so ridiculous. It's something. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing they don't have a price attached to it. Uh, I don't think we've seen one, no. This no. is often concept stuff. I don't know if this will make it to market or not. Well, Probably. apparently it's shipping in February. Is it so. really? Wow. Okay. I just say that because the other laptop, the Project Valerie, uh, which is... Razor's contribution mm. to this scene is is more of a concept laptop. Was was that the one with the three screens? Yeah. So this one, if one screen isn't good enough, one 4K screen at that, this one has three 4K screens. They all sort of fold out of each other. They do, on what look like very, very small, mm. very breakable arms. You see yeah. that it got nicked? Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's the big story yeah. here, is that um, the w- one evening someone walked in and walked off with the thing. No, was it, it two of them, actually. Yeah, I think two it was two prototype of them. laptops got stolen. Mm. Razor Ray's offering like a $20,000 reward for anybody who supplies information that might help. Mm-hmm. So there's an article on The Verge about the laptop getting stolen. They've got Razor CEO Min Liang Tan saying that, the, that Razor is working with law enforcement and CES management to investigate. He's also asking show attendees to email legal at razorzone.com with any info they might have on what happened. And a company representative has added that there's a $25,000 reward for information leading to a conviction. Do we think this laptop will ever resurface? No. Here's a thought, right? Mm-hmm. It, would you, right, you could, could consider this, this laptop's been stolen. I mean, have you ever heard of a laptop with three screens before? I don't think so, no. I've okay. seen like an attachment that you can get for like MacBooks that gives you two extra screens, but you have to put it, stick it to the back of your existing yeah. screen and then plug it in. It's not a nice all-in-one solution. No. Would you as a company, as a competitor to Razer, now, having seen this idea, even thinking it was good, would you look at investing or releasing a, a three-screen prototype in the next couple of years? Bearing in mind that the only other time that a three-screen laptop has been shown, the prototypes were nicked. Do you think that as a rival company, you are setting yourself up to be indicted as the company that stole the laptop as part of corporate espionage if you release a three-screen <laughs> laptop? Possibly, but these companies, if they want to do it, I'm sure they could work it out. Well, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I look at it and think, well, okay, it's it's mostly an idea. The mechanics of it probably aren't that difficult. And looking at the flimsiness of the screens as they are in Project Valerie, this doesn't look like it's a hard thing to emulate. But could this potentially be a setup? And they're, they're saying that those prototypes were lost. One, two... Uh, make make the public know yeah. about it, which which they have yeah. done. We're talking about it here. It's obviously worked. And two, to stop competitors from releasing competing products in case they were seen as stealing the idea or technology. I'd, I'd probably go more with the first one of those as a possibility. Mm-hmm. It yeah. does seem a bit of a low blow, but hey. I mean, working with law enforcement and CES management, if they've told the police that it's stolen and then it isn't, that's, 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 a, that's a line to tread. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything else from the show uh, of a computer techie um, point of view that any of you saw? Yeah, saw a couple things. There's a like a Game Boy esque device. It looks like an like a old school Game Boy called a Super Retro Boy. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I've heard of this. Is this have they already released a version and this is the second one? Quite possibly. But what got me interested in it was because I was like, you know, is it using ROMs or is it how is it working? It turns out it's actually using cartridges for Game Boy and Game Boy Advance. 
which is interesting because all those cartridges are soon not going to work anymore because the, all the internal batteries are dying. That's so true. you won't be able to save anything. Well, that's assuming that it's a game you can save on. I mean, a lot of Game Boy Advance stuff was save ports of Mario Brothers 3. Mm. Or, you know, it's not all going to be RPGs and things where you need to save data. No, true. But that is a good point. I mean, those things will be expiring now. Although I have seen there are ways that you can put a new battery in there if you if you know how be to really solve the key. stuff. Does yeah. that does that still apply to Game Boy Advance? Because I'm not I know... sure about Game Boy Advance. I know Game Boy Color because mm. my Pokemon Red and Pokemon Silver. Oh, I feel you. Now, DS is flash memory. Yeah. So yes. there shouldn't theoretically be an issue with flash. I, but... I know they did transition at some point. to, mm. and That's no longer a problem. To my knowledge, Game Boy Advance was a uh, battery. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah. Okay, well, that, that's quite good. So that takes... Is it just portable games? So it's is just, it... just the cartridges for, I think, Game Boy through to Game Boy Advanced. Okay, right. Um, so all, all of the Game Boy Pantheon. Yeah. I don't think they made anything after the Advance that had the Game Boy moniker. No, they, they went on to the DS at that point. Okay, right, that's very nice. Retail price? It's coming uh, out about, I think it was something like $90, which seems a bit pricey. But I don't know. I think if you were to go out and try and get yourself, say, a Game Boy Advance, uh, what was the flip-up one called? SP? Yeah. SP? Yeah. yeah. Um, you'd probably be looking at a fair bit of money. I mean, $90, translate that, £70. Perhaps. Yeah, true. Mind you, really, I'm not all that. I've got, I'm, I could go home and find an old Game Boy somewhere, I'm sure, and, <laughs> and play the games that are running out of battery. But mm-hmm. Okay. David, see anything? Uh, continuing with Razer, did you see the um, Ariana? Which, uh, the thing that looked like the Microsoft Illumina Room? Yes. So the idea is that it's a projector that, will project onto the walls surrounding your computer monitor, like an extended mm. view of the sort of 3D world that you're exploring in your game. So okay. you, you view, you play the game as normal mm-hmm. on your on your big 4K monitor or whatever you're doing, mm-hmm. but then all on the walls, all around you, in sort of your peripheral vision is, you know, extended out world, so you kind of get an idea of what's going on around you, and it's supposed to be more immersive. Okay, is this more of a peripheral vision thing? So you're not meant yeah. to be actively looking at it because I'm guessing with it being projected all over the sides of desks and everything, it's going to be quite horrible yeah. to look I at. I mean, it's it's a 4K projector, but um, it is sort of, is quite, a lot of the pictures, I don't know if this is the case, but a lot of the pictures I've seen make it look a bit fisheye lensy and Yeah, I would stuff. say it was a peripheral thing. Like Otherwise, you wouldn't need the actual TV as well or monitor or whatever you're using. I would have thought for something that was working on peripheral vision, you wouldn't need to go to 4K quality. This works around the monitor, does it? So you're not fo- it's not yeah, like so just a projector against a wall and you focus exactly. what's in the so middle in it. You're still using, a. in this case, it was a TV. Just a normal, um, yeah. But then device. over the top of that, you're like projecting as well. Mm. Um, okay. So I'd say peripheral stuff. So you look, gotta It get, did you, look pretty cool. You've got to get those images to sync up as well then. Yeah, so it apparently does some kind of like having 3D cameras to figure out where furniture and stuff is and takes that into account when it's projecting. Finally, it's something I mean, to do with that Kinect to be, technology. Yeah, well, to be fair, when Kinect first came out for the 360, they, Microsoft did a concept thing, it might have been CES a couple of years ago, of this exact thing but using mm. Kinect. Right, okay. Um, which looked pretty cool then and then nothing happened with it. Um, but Kinect. it's the exact same concept. The possibilities of Kinect. This sounds expensive though. Uh, yes. Um, and also you're going to have to have your companies, oh. game companies actually supporting it. Yeah, if, uh, if oh. it's not designed into the game, it can do like very ambient around the screen stuff. Sort um, of lighting based yeah, on what's on going what's on, on, screen, on the screen. What they were showing was literally designed to work with this thing. Because if you think about it, unless you're blowing up your regular screen so it's covering your entire wall, in which case you will only be able to see a very small portion of what you're supposed to see, Mm. you're going to have to have your computer rendering stuff that's going on outside of the kind of field of vision you're you're looking at through your TV. That's true. That's going to push up the um, GPU requirements as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Still, nice idea. But yeah, interesting. Did either of you see the uh, Project Snowblind? No, I think so. Okay, right. So I Buy Power, which is a company together with Intel, have created this thing called Project Snowblind. And it's to 
it, it is to appeal to the custom PC crowd. It's for those people that trick out their PC tower. Hmm. So I've at the moment got a, I think it's, what's it called? A Zalman Z11 something or other tower. And it's quite good. It's, it's this cool angular computer tower and it's got blue lights on it. Looks great. Mm -hmm. um, David, did you ever use those LED lights that I got you for Christmas? I did, actually. Yeah. I, To be honest, I installed them about a couple of weeks ago. Really? <laughs> yeah, because nice. I was opening up my computer to plug in a hard drive so and do some stuff. For the yearly blowing out of the dust kind um, of thing. But yeah, so while, while I had the side off, I stuck them in. I need to move them because... Some of them are shining through the uh, the grill in the side, and they're a bit bright, <laughs> blinding you. A bit blinding. Do you have your tower up on the desk with you? No, under the table. Okay, well, this is the reason why it wouldn't work for me and you, because um, you have the tower under the desk. Maybe you don't see this, but what Project Snowblind is, it's designed for certain types of cases, mm -hmm. and it's a uh, it's essentially you know you have a window where you can see inside. So, the PC. Yeah, your fancy cases where you've got all your, all your LED lighting and, and your liquid cooling and stuff. You put a Perspex screen on the side so you can see inside. Yeah, only a Perspex screen is a bit boring. What Project Snowblind is, is it's a transparent video, like monitor, essentially, that goes over that glass panel that projects sort of translucent video onto it. So you're going to have wow. animated video playing on the side of your computer as it's doing I mean, what that, it does. That is where I want to be looking all the time. Yeah. Right. Well, well, I, well, this is the thing. Unless it was up on your desk and unless you wanted to be distracted, yeah, it's it's a strange one. But and, and it's I think it's two hundred dollars I think to get this into your into the cases that support it. But it's not very high resolution either. It's like twelve eighty by one thousand and twenty four video. Right. So it's kind of the opposite of the project, did you say? Ariana, was Ariana, it? Ariana, yeah. Mm -hmm. But apparently it still looks very good. Okay. So mm. there you go, if you ever find yourself for a loss of ways to... Spend a lot of money on spend something a lot of money won't see. Yeah. Okay. Uh, other things seen. I googled weird gadgets. Uh, there was a lot of... Like, TVs seem to be getting thinner. Like... That mm -hmm. people like to take all the components that make the TV work and put them in something else. <laughs> so you've got just a very thin screen and then a cable to a box full of stuff. Are you talking about the LG W7? Oh, possibly. I didn't write the name down. But is it the one that's like two and a half millimeters thick and yeah. it, you, everything goes into a sound bar? 2.57 millimeters thick. Right. It's a flexible screen, mm -hmm. and the idea is that you will stick it onto your wall with magnets, mm -hmm. and you can peel it back off the wall and move oh, it when you want to get one, rid yeah. of it. And yeah, and all of the kind of, aside from the screen itself, all of the internals, um, all the speakers and things that you'd normally get uh, mm -hmm. are all in this big sort of sound bar thing, right? Um, which has these weird sort of speakers that come out the top that are supposed to bounce sound off the ceiling of the room and make it give you sort of faux surround sound that's great but I yeah like it's it's an incredibly thin big uh screen yeah. that just kind of like being a thin and i'm guessing does it is it sort of a is it rigid or is it flexible it is it's flexible mm. i mean i don't think you can fold it up right <laughs> that's my thing because it's in designed my... for you to be able to peel it off a wall right okay i'm just thinking about whether for that you need sort of a gloss front on it or whether you can achieve that with a matte effect because my first thought is is the light gonna glare off this thing i don't know they had them sort of encased in glass and spinning mm. around i suppose so they're not they're not, not gonna show them to yeah, yeah they're gonna have them in sort of an ideal setup aren't they Right, I saw something called Hush Me. So this was from an article on uh, CNET. And it's like, it's kind of like, if you think about headphones, you know, big over-ear headphones, except you've pulled them down around your neck. Okay, so they're like mm -hmm. hanging around your neck. But then you pull them up over your face so they're covering your mouth. So okay. you, it's like you've got the headband going around the back of your mouth and it's covering your mouth in its entirety. Okay. That's what it looks like. It's designed so that you can have full-on conversations without interrupting anybody around you wow as in like full volume conversations okay but because your mouth's in this little chamber essentially created by the headpiece it kind of like a bane kind of 
contraption <laughs> <laughs> your face. You know that. You can have full-on conversations and no one around you would, would hear. And it's even got... They'd all know, though. Yeah, they don't. They know. <laughs> but I think they'd look and they'd appreciate the gesture. They'd say, well, look at that guy. Or they think you were a Batman villain. Yeah, well, they say, look look at that ridiculous get-up. I appreciate the lengths they're going to, to not make noise. And it's even got a built-in voice modulator so you can sound like Darth Vader. Nice. There wow. you go. Yeah. So I was thinking today, like, the problem with hands-free that nobody's really solved, or at least the problem with, problem with computing and doing stuff off phones and tablets and laptops and things is that you have to use your hands most of the time to scroll and the solution everyone's come up with is hands-free and just like voice communication yeah but you can't have a room full of people all talking to their phones using voice communication so i can kind of see a future where this would blend with you know your sort of yeah your Google Nows and your Siris and stuff, and you'd be able to actually full-on use hands-free. But then someone swings by your desk and says, hey, what are you doing? And you have to you have to unattach it from your face and speak, and then you've got to get it back on your face. You just say, and every time you take it off, you've got big red lines around your mouth. Where it's Say, big. hey, Siri, tell my coworker that I'm in the middle of a call. Yeah. <laughs> That is not the first time that I've said, hey, Siri, and your phone's responded. Well, yeah. did you see the, the news article last week where one of the, in America, a news presenter had said the name for the Amazon Echo device that we all own, so I'm going to try and avoid saying it, <laughs> but he then told it to buy a dollhouse, and millions of people in America ended up with dolls' houses. Yes, because... I remember this. So there was a news story about how a kid had used Alexa to buy buy stuff off amazon the news reporter read out the phrase of on the tv which they'd used which caused everybody who was watching that channel who hadn't set up payment protection and pin codes and things to then buy those things off amazon i mean is that how it works you can you say, say buy a dollhouse and it just what thinks well this is the one with the highest yeah. rating i'll well, buy that i haven't set up the payment stuff so it can't just go out and buy stuff um which is good because when i was showing it off to like my stepmom she found out that you could do this. And now my shopping list has got things like, uh, it's got a cork board on there and Star Wars and <laughs> just a horse. Star Wars. Just like... like Buy she, Star Wars and a horse, please. Yeah, she she's just going through stuff and like, add it to your shopping list. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to find this shopping list. It's somewhere in the cloud. Like, <laughs> uh, take the horse off. Maybe keep Star Wars. I don't know. Hey, Alexa, Star delete Wars shopping list. <laughs> Was it Star Wars? No, just Star Epic Wars. sci-fi Star Wars or Star Wars know. Trident it, Missile System Star Wars? Maybe the actual IP of Star Wars, because all it says is added Star Wars to your shopping list. See, this is the problem. Like, I don't want to order anything with Just Eat because I don't know how you'd go about it. Especially yeah. considering there's a lot of different types of food, and there's a lot of them that are hard to pronounce. If I can't say it, how can I expect Alexa to pick it up? You, you tell her to order the thing you had last week. So what you basically do is you spend three hours setting up one Just Eat order, <laughs> making sure it's right, and then you never buy anything else. Right, the perfect Just Eat order. In fairness, that's how we tend to operate with takeaways. We have one specific set of things. If it's Pizza Hut, it's always stuffed crust, half pepperoni, half farmhouse, side of chicken dippers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah you've so got, you've so got a system. Yeah. Maybe. What about Uber? Is it the same thing where I'll only take you to your last location? Or is it just, does it get the Uber to you and then you have to then have an awkward bit in the taxi where you go, oh, actually, I want to go here. And they go, put it in the app. And you're like, oh, I don't know. Can <laughs> you not just drive me somewhere? <laughs> we were saying when, when we were going to the Christmas meal, I got a, I got an Uber there and it was my second Uber, I think. Mm. So quite, quite fresh to the whole thing and i was sat there in the back of the taxi just you know watching the app seeing the estimated time it gives you all this real-time information driving along i look in in front of me and the driver's sat there driving his little phone there with his uber driver app saying how long it's going to take him to get there i did think i thought what if i cancel this journey now on the app but i don't voice that i'm going to cancel the the journey <laughs> is he just driving and then he suddenly sees it says trip cancelled and he he has he just, to broach an awkward <laughs> conversation just have to pick someone else up while you're still in the car yeah it's like it says you've cancelled the journey 
I didn't know how to tell you. He's going <laughs> to slam the brakes on and lock the doors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's, it's good, a good experience, the Uber experience. Big fan. Uh, another thing that I saw was Tanvis. Seen that? I don't think no? so. I think it's meant to be an amalgamation of tablet and canvas. So haptic feedback is something that we've been looking at for a while. Okay. Um, last year, CES, we talked about a mobile phone that had this... It was a screen where it could generate electric currents that would cause the screen to pop up in bubbles. So in situations where there's an on-screen keyboard, it would produce these little nubs so oh, that you okay. could feel where the keys were. What Tanvis does is it takes that to its kind of haptic feedback extreme in that it has a screen. It's like a little tablet... And it's got all different feelings on it. So corduroy or even complex ones like a shallow pool of water with rocks at the bottom. Wow. <laughs> and by dragging your finger across it, it feels like that. It uses haptic feedback to make it to feel like a slight, you know, a bumpiness or whatever that texture is. Okay. So apparently it's called a, it's a real-time control of the electrical forces between your fingertip and the touchscreen surfaces. Or an electromagnet for skin is how it's sort of summarized in this article that I'm looking at. So your finger has to be in movement for it to work. You can't just push your finger against it. There has to be a friction there. Okay. But that's good, isn't it? That's pretty it cool. Sounds, it sounds really interesting. Yeah, so, uh, you know, instead of these boring screens that all just feel like glass, soon yeah. in the future be you fair, can be stroking your cord. Sometimes I'm screen. using touchscreen stuff and I do miss buttons. And then I get something with buttons and go, I want a touchscreen. So if I can get something in between, that'd be great. I don't... Mm. Although often I'm not sat on my phone thinking, I wish this felt like a shallow pool of water with rocks at the bottom. Yeah. Like that's, that's never come up. Did you, Corduroy, did on the other hand. Yeah. Oh, Imagine if scrolling down your contacts list and instead of it feeling just like... That, that adds a new layer to things, doesn't it? So you're not only talking about the color of the theme of your phone and the, the ringtones, you've also then got to decide, well, does the home screen feel like silk? Or corduroy, or a bag of nails. <laughs> <laughs> Does it feel like a razor? Yeah, lots of uh, lots of potential there. Did either of you see the the very first prototype of the iPhone that was recently shown? No, no. It's really interesting how, for a company that's so so design focused, their initial design was crazy. It was essentially uh, one of the old iPhones. You should as you'd see it, you know, sort of rounded, chunky uh, black iPhones. but And it had a full touchscreen, mm -hmm. as you would, but they'd partitioned it off. So the top half was where the display was, and, and the bottom half was kind of like a, a, uh, a virtual scroll wheel, you know, like how they had in old iPods. Oh, right. Yeah. So it was like that, except it was on the touchscreen. <laughs> That's really odd. Yeah. I only saw a small clip of it. Maybe it does more than that, but it looked like that was the main method of of moving through it. Maybe they could only buy touchscreens that were a certain size. Maybe they so could. So they bought a touchscreen. Was the top the bit touch as well? And, uh, I don't know. I wasn't. Uh, I, I just flicked through the video mm. and then lost interest. Mm. But I just remembered about it. Uh, okay, anything else uh, about CES that really caught your eye? Did you see the Sony Xperia tablet projector? I did, and that looked awesome. No. I've seen, like, camcorders with built-in projectors in, like, curries. So the idea with this is that you sort of set it up on a table or pointing at a wall mm -hmm. or something, mm -hmm. and it projects what is essentially a tablet screen onto a bigger surface. So it's for group situations, I guess, where you want to mm -hmm. show a bunch of people the funny YouTube video of, of the cats. Right, okay, um, yes, yeah, so the cats, I'm familiar. <laughs> you know that one. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so it acts as, as a projector and projects your tablet screen, but it also does that thing. Um, I don't know if you've seen, like, some of those things where, like, they can project keyboards onto mm -hmm. a surface and you can type by just kind of, yeah. like, tapping oh, on the table right, yeah. and it figures out where your fingers are. So it, it does that as well. So you can actually control the tablet by touching the surface you're projecting it onto. That's good. What sort of lumens are we talking, though? Because as with anything with projection, it's all about light. Well, from the sort of pictures and video that I've seen, it's kind of like it's not going to be the ideal yeah. viewing experience, but then that's also in a brightly lit CES show floor. So, I suppose if you were presenting, it probably would be in a, a dimmed room or something. Yeah. yeah. That's really good. But yeah, it's, it 
seems like it's bright enough that you could have it in the daytime and mm -hmm. be able to see stuff around it. But yeah, I think this one's a prototype as well, and they're just kind of like floating that one out there, see if anyone's interested. You know what's has always surprised me that it, it's still a thing? The whole um, Internet of Things fridge. Because, you know, initially it seemed like a silly idea where you're like, oh, you've got an Android tablet built into your fridge. I can't believe that that's actually become a thing now. I mean, I, right, so I think, I think the idea is that the fridge is going to be kind of a focal point. It's a hub around which the family can gather. I don't know about you. I'm we tend to gather around fridge, the fridge, yeah. you know, for warmth. <laughs> um, but some of the ones that they had at CES we're, we're talking full like 20, 22 inch tablets built into the side you know with Netflix on and things like that I could maybe understand a proprietary version of Android that you could use, have a note taking app or, yeah and like a calendar know, and stuff yeah tweet, tweet yourself a grocery list or something like that but I don't really understand why you'd have a full fledged Android tablet in there again I'm sure it's a prototype thing probably but, the answer is because you can yeah, like if can. you're sticking a tablet and an operating system on, you may as well use an operating system that has already been made, mm -hmm. which is Android because that's free. Yeah. So, and then if you're putting Android on it, then hey, you can put Netflix on it for free. So put Netflix on it. I suppose you might as well. Yeah. I feel like I need to upgrade my like fridge ones. Like one day I'll get a fridge with an ice dispenser on the outside. <laughs> now, now, I, now I have to consider yeah. like tablets and Netflix. Ugh. Oh, yeah. It's just a lot to what think if you about. could uh, set it up so that it dispenses ice as you walk through the door? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bluetooth imagine, to your phone. I imagine that's going <laughs> to cause more problems than fix. Dispense ice over your kitchen floor from the comfort of your sofa. You have to get more Internet of Things to like sweep it up. And yeah. Just... We were, uh, what was it? Was it? What? Me and Adam both saw a tweet that was talking about the new the new robotic hierarchy that the Internet of Things have produced. So now there's a there's a type of rumba that you can uh, command via your Amazon Echo, and it creates this weird hierarchy where you give instructions to the Echo and that gives instructions to the rumba, like you've made the Echo a middle manager of sorts, <laughs> and it's only going to get worse. A couple more devices that I saw. Uh, so Whirlpool had this create this scan to cook feature. So Whirlpool. They apparently also do ovens. Okay. And mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that they've produced is this scan to cook app that lets you go into a shop, find a compatible product, scan its barcode, send that information to your oven that will then preheat the oven, ready to receive the ready meal, and will heat it appropriately. So say 10 minutes on, on 200, settle for five minutes, another 10 minutes on 170. Okay. <laughs> and the other one is uh, Samsung have this washing, uh, this laundry system called the Flex Wash and Flex Dry Laundry System. It's both a top loader and a, a front opening uh, washer dryer, but you can put two washers in simultaneously, two separate washers. You can put your darks in, in the front and the, the reds or stuff in the top, and it will, it will completely isolated water systems. It will do two washers at once. Okay. Oh. I can see I, the value of that because we, especially around Christmas or when we've just got back from somewhere, you have a mountain of washing and you have to put it in in separate washes. To be fair, I tend to just chuck it all in one wash, except at the moment next to my washing machine, I have a, red, a Christmas jumper that's red and mm. never been washed. Oh, man. And I daren't put it in with the load I'd normally just chuck in. Just stick nice. it in with them. It's just staying there for now. Just throw a handful of color catchers in after it. <laughs> color catchers, that as well. Marvelous, I think. I mean, wait, you can't say just do this. It works fine. Well, they come out and sometimes they've got a bit of color in them. Sometimes they haven't, but it feels, I f maybe it's a placebo, but it always makes me feel better when it, when it comes out and it's, and it's got all stains all over it. And I think, great. That's color that would have instead gone into my nice white socks. Just get one of your rusted uh, white uh, shirts true, and put yeah. it in and see whether or not it's leaking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the red and the white rusty shirt together might be better than just the rusty shirt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Let's, uh, let's talk about uh, AAGDQ. So this is Awesome Games Done Quick. So this is a, um, I want to say biannual event. But I don't know what biannual means. I don't know if it means twice a year or once every two years. 
Do, do I have to Google this? <laughs> I want to say it was twice a year, if I had to guess. I don't have to Google this because Adam's Googling this. We assume. He's I, been on- I, I think one of these facts that I remember that might may or may not be true, I want to say that something like bi-monthly means one thing and bi-yearly means another thing. Oh, like really? One of them is twice in that period of time and one means every two of that uh, period of time. You're joking. That might gonna weigh in. Here we go. Put our minds to rest. Okay, biannual is something that occurs twice a year. Okay. Biennial occurs every two years. Biweekly. I would guess that's twice a week. Okay. You learn something new every podcast. Fair enough. enough. Okay. Well, we have a biannual. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Event. Uh, it's a week-long event, so this one started last Sunday, and we'll go right through to this Sunday. Uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's uh, a charity event in which a bunch of people gather at a hotel in America and speedrun video games mm-hmm. for a week solid. And for speedrunning, for anyone that doesn't know, it's essentially getting through a game as fast as you can, um, maybe using shortcuts, maybe not, depending on the sort of the criteria you set for yourself. You can do different categories. So mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that they'll be doing is what's called any percent, which basically just means just want to get to the end credits. Yeah. Just yeah. whatever. Just don't care about seeing scenes. If we can skip levels, we'll skip levels, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, They've been doing these since 2010. So the first one was called Classic Games Done Quick. And then they've done these biannual events so they have one that they kick off in january which is called awesome games done quick and then they do one later in the year uh, may august time called summer games done quick and uh, this marks the what's this then the seventh year that they've done it and they usually raise a good bit of money yeah they've raised so a they're fair kind of, amount already yeah they're chosen charities they tend to go for the prevent cancer foundation or doctors without borders it's usually doctors without borders in the summer and prevent cancer foundation in the winter yeah and yeah. yeah, they've they've what is it? Are we on half a million so far this year? They yeah. are on at the moment six hundred and two thousand dollars, six hundred and forty-eight. Right. So looking at it, uh, two thousand and fifteen, they raised one and a half million. This last summer, uh, I think it was one point six million. Right. So okay. it's uh, yeah, they're on their way. They are. Yeah. Although there seems to be a bit of a downward trend. So 2015, it was 1.5 million. 2016, it was 1.2 million. And I don't know what what we're on track for this time. But 2015, they also raised a whole bunch of money through um, a bundle. I think they did a humble bundle as well Mm. when they threw threw that money in as well. But they always sell T-shirts as well. So me and David, I know they like to get in on the T-shirts. Are you going to be buying a T-shirt this year? Uh, I've had a look. None of them particularly stand out to me, but I might do. I couldn't get on the shop earlier today. No? No. Well, it would load the page, but it wouldn't load the T-shirts. There's a photo of us floating around on the internet somewhere where we're both wearing basically the same T-shirt from one of these events, except yours is blue and mine's black. Yeah. Yeah, so I think there's eight designs this year. Yeah, it's all right. Well, jump on the bandwagon this year. There's eight to choose from, so we can all have a different shirt. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, they. um, it's... This is basically, for me, which makes me sound like a huge nerd. Pretty, I don't watch sport. I don't watch any World Cups. I mm. don't really watch the Olympics. But these things, just I watch as many of them as I possibly can. It is great. Brilliant to have on in the background as well. But, uh, but yeah, every second I'm not watching it, I have this nagging feeling of, I'd really like to be watching it. Because it's always, it's always interesting, at least. Yeah. So, so if you if you if you're interested, it's on live at the moment. They broadcast it on Twitch, uh, which is sort of a streaming service for mm. games. But they also archive everything off onto YouTube in sort of the they do they kind of they start archiving it off as the as the thing's running. But it'll probably be a week or so after the event that they'll put all the videos up. But yeah, so you can go watch past events and past runs. But mm-hmm. there's something about watching it live, which is just way more interesting than watching yeah, it on it's a YouTube. bit more tense the, the possibilities yeah because yeah. stuff goes wrong sometimes yes. stuff does go wrong so the way the way this works is they have a big sort of pre-published list of these are the games and these are the times that we're going to be playing them and as as you said it's 24 7 so they've basically planned out 
pretty shocking. Twenty four seven, three uh, seven days and worth of gaming. Yeah, some of them and take saying like, this is starting hours. at this point and it's going to take um this amount amount of time. So the one they're doing right at the moment is Trauma Center New Blood, mm-hmm. uh, which they're estimating is going to take an hour and fifty minutes. Right. So if they screw up, if they mess up, then uh, there's very real potential they're going to start overrunning that time and they won't be able to make it and they'll either have to cancel the run or they're going to start eating into other people's time. So yeah, watching it watching it live is uh, is interesting stuff. Just to check my knowledge, Trauma Center New Blood, is that the Wii one? Uh, yes, it's yes. the Wii one. Great. Um, if you go to gamesdonequick.com slash schedule... That's where they've got the list. And very helpfully, it shows you it in the correct time zone as well, mm. oh, okay. which is massively helpful. Yeah, the, the kind of technology and stuff behind this is just just really impressive, the mm. way they present the whole thing. Considering so like they, the startup it was initially. So classic, classic games done quick, the first one they did, which I never heard of it and I'd never seen any of it. But I gather it was basically about 30 people gathered in a basement or something. Mm-hmm. gathered yeah. in somebody's house and broadcasting so considering that they are now um in a hotel in vancouver mm. in vancouver sorry i think i think they've they've uh somewhere virginia virginia that's it i I'm, think they've I'm had the same VA uh, and getting confused to that yeah it's the hilton in uh in Her- herndon virginia and i think that's where they've been the past three years yeah so they're broadcasting this huge thing to like millions of people around the world they've got they have an attendee sign up list so you can basically go and attend it in person if you want to there's you know probably hundreds of people actually running the games there and commentating on the games Mm -hmm. um they have sort of a the stream is constant so they've got people like reading in like sending in donations and then reading them out and yeah just it's it's good. It's just a big operation yeah, to run is. live for seven days. And it has been accused multiple times recently of becoming more corporate, which I think you kind of have to allow for, considering it used to be 30 people in a room in a basement somewhere, and now yeah, we're talking... big operation. Now it's a big operation in the Hilton where they've got hundreds of people there all the time. So um, the, the first game that they ran this year was Ape Escape 2, was a playstation 2 game and as you said david they typically archive stuff off they haven't to my knowledge archived off the ape escape 2 run. they hadn't last night when i went looking Mm. for it yeah and uh, the reason is uh because they have this strong anti-political uh you're not allowed to wear anything political on stream and someone in the background during the ape escape 2 run was wearing a make make america great again hat and because of that They've decided they're not going to archive that video off. Wow. Wow. There is a little bit of audio you can hear of someone going up and listening to the security guard who tells them that they can't be can't be on the stream wearing the hats. Which is Wow. And he, he sat, you know, he, he he articulates his point well and you can understand where he's coming from because it's not a political not a politically yeah. leaning organization. It's about charity and raising well, yeah, money. I think it, but, uh, if they're fair and they, you know, do it one way like for everyone, then why not? Yeah, yeah, but but they do occasionally uh, come under come under a bit of fire. When you think about it, you've you've got internet personalities basically in a room. So you the kind of average streamer is a white male of age, sort of in their twenties, early twenties, uh, who's used to basically just doing whatever they like on the internet for the people who turn up to their stream. Mm-hmm. So whereas this event is supposed to be family friendly, mm-hmm. you're not supposed to swear at all. It's all supposed to be, you know, kind of like accessible for everyone. So they do have to kind of clamp down a bit on those kind of things. Yeah. There was a fella who wasn't able to run this year because I think in his stream last year, he, he something had happened on his flight over. I think he was Canadian and and something had happened on his flight over and it was air canada's fault so he got on the stream everybody to basically hurl abuse at air canada's twitter <laughs> accounts yeah and got and because um awesome games done quick thought you know this could come back to bite them because it was their stream i think they thought it was probably a better idea to make sure that he wasn't at the next year's event yeah, yeah. So, so i'm trying to avoid all these political things i'm just trying to enjoy the speed runs oh. I think it's a big part of it. I think the drama's uh, <laughs> a definite part of it. Do you remember the time when they evacuated the building because that fire alarm went off? That was amazing. <laughs> so yeah, they uh, 
considering they're trying to have this stream running 24-7. Um, I think it was like at lunchtime. So it was in the middle of the night in America where they were recording it. And I was just watching because it was lunch break. And yeah, they, they're in the middle of a stream and then the fire alarms went off. So everybody had to evacuate. And they it just had like this static shot of the uh, just like rows and rows of seats. Uh, <laughs> abandoned seats. Abandoned seats. And there was this, um, there's this plush doll um, yeah. of, I think, Tails, the fox. I think, yeah, from Sonic, that sounds right. Um, just sat left on a seat. <laughs> and then sort of about two three minutes into the fire alarm this guy runs into the room grabs the doll and runs out (laughs) (laughs) and uh part of having it on twitch is you've got all these people on on what's called twitch chat just kind of commentating on their own and talking amongst each other and they went mental when that happened (laughs) i saw a gif floating around someone have edited of where they've made it look like the the room was on fire, completely engulfed in flames, <laughs> and this fella runs in, grabs the tails doll, and runs out. So yeah, it's got a good following. It's very very fun. Stick around, watch it, especially um, Saturday Saturday night. We've got the uh, the Tazbot, which is the tool assisted speed run bit. So mm. that's that's not people playing. That's people that have coded games, typically your older games, your Super Nintendo games, uh, to essentially tweak them to the absolute fastest that you could possibly conceivably beat a game and there's some pretty amazing stuff on there yeah they that the tazbot section just has got better and better every every year that they've since they introduced it Mm. so and that's uh that's about nine o'clock on saturday night i think our time yeah Yeah. and then the whole thing finishes saturday morning probably before any of us are awake about 6 30 yeah they do a lot of different events and stuff there's so you'll have races where there'll be like four people playing the same game and trying to get to the end quickest. You got some co-op things. They had a thing going off this morning, which was awful games done quick, which was basically just an entire section of people playing really terrible games. Yeah. There's a lot, lot of interesting stuff going on. Something for everyone, yeah. you might say. Okay, uh, let's move on. Um, before we go to Kickstarter of the week, uh, can we talk quickly about this um, this new... Uh, Japanese answer to the Amazon Echo. Uh, Gladly. (laughs) Now this, um, someone sent me a link to this. This is not old news, but we're talking about a month ago. uh, This first uh, came to light. It's a a product called Gatebox. And whereas you've got your Amazon Echo, which you can talk to and, uh, and, you know, it'll give you information. The Gatebox has a little projector inside it. And within the projector, there is a, a holographic character called uh, Azuma Hikari, who's like a, a Japanese woman, uh, anime it's character. An anime character. It's an anime character, Cartoon. sorry, yeah. And it's, well, if you watch the advert, it's basically, it seems like its target market is the lonely yeah. Japanese man, essentially. It's uh, the advert shows this this device that kind of sits in the home and you can talk to much as you talk to an Echo or a Siri and it will learn and it will respond, it will talk to you. But then in addition to that, it's got uh, facial recognition, mm-hmm. uh, temperature sensors. Uh, it can communicate with you when you're out the house by sending you text messages. Yeah, that's the one of the quotes from the advert that I got was the, the guy texts this thing saying, I'm home soon. And mm-hmm. it texted him back going, can't wait to see you. Yeah. And it's just like, oh. So taken from the Digital Trends article here, it says, the sensors mean she can recognize your face and your voice and is designed to be a companion who can wake you up in the morning, fill you in on your day's activities, remind you of things to remember, and even welcome you back when you return home from work. There's Bluetooth and a permanent connection to the internet, and it can be linked to a TV using HDMI connection. I don't know if that's to project her onto the TV or whether it means that she can somehow recognize content on the TV. I just you project her onto yeah, the TV. I don't know. What if she could weigh in on how good that episode of Breaking Bad was? Part of the part of the advert has like after he's got home from his heavy day of work, he's sat there in his pajamas drinking a cup of tea or something, and mm. and she's also changed into her pajamas and is drinking <laughs> something. So it's all a bit her. Yeah, I was gonna. Jumps, I was gonna so. say. Yeah. Have you seen that yet, David? No, I haven't. It's uh, on my list. Okay, fair is. So there is a bit of a social, there's a stereotype 
around Japanese society that because of the work ethic, it's quite difficult for a lot of uh, younger to middle-aged Japanese people. I think I think that the stereotypes more pointedly at men and um, to have any sort of meaningful interactions during the day just because of the length of the workday. Mm. And uh, I think the... That's why things like dating sim, dating simulators, and attraction to fictional characters and uh, anime characters is is so prevalent over there. Because I think the theory is is better than nothing. You know, mm. um, there's a there's a term. Have you ever heard of? Is it hikikomori? Yes. <clears throat> so BBC did an article about this a while back, um, entitled "Hikikomori: Why Are So Many Japanese Men Refusing to Leave Their Rooms?" and uh, I think the long and short of it is mounting social pressures, uh, stigmas around therapy, showing weakness, things like that. And I think this goes hand in hand with that. Mm. Kind of got no doubt that this will probably sell very well over there. Um, question is whether whether it's a good thing or whether it's encouraging antisocial behavior. Or is, is, it, is it a root? Is there another problem which needs to be addressed? <laughs> that's a heavy question heavy for the one. end of a podcast yeah i, th- do I don't feel qualified so? to weigh in on japanese culture no but yeah um i, th- I think you're right i think it probably will sell well mm-hmm. there was a statistic i think it was in the article you sent that was saying it's something like 32 percent of japanese homes are single a single person living on their own yeah i mean we could what you could do is i mean there's no reason I mean, this sounds like it's kind of a specialist object, but it doesn't necessarily have to be an anime woman in there. What if you could mm-hmm. create some sort of robot character and just have a little bit more of a, a, of, a, of a visual interface between you and your Amazon Echo, for instance? To be fair, if they made that hologram a dog and it just woofed at me, I'd be happy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. It can't, can't buy me shopping or anything. But Maybe it comes, just... comes with like a little uh, a little ball with a certain like barcode on it. And if you throw the ball at it, it recognizes you've thrown the ball and goes to grab the ball. But don't aim directly at it because yeah. you'll break it. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. Oh, uh, they should make one with a passive aggressive personality <laughs> or something. <laughs> it's constantly texting you, asking you where you are, why you're not picking up your calls. But it, it raises bigger questions as well about things like uh, one of the things is that it will learn as mm. it goes along. And if it's learning from a neural net, other people, then you're essentially maybe interacting with remnants of real people. Oh. And is that still weird? Is that weirder? I think that's weirder. Yeah, it's getting weirder. <laughs> okay, right. More interesting, but weirder. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's Gatebox. Something to think about. Write some sci-fi about that. Oh, there's got to be, there's got to be tons of sci-fi about that. But write some more. Yeah, by all means. Okay, time for quick Kickstarter of the week. First thing, just a little update. Do you remember that Lily drone, the one that um, Phil wrote in asking us about a while back? Yeah, the one that sort of hovers, tracks you and hovers around, looking yeah. at you. Is that right? Yeah, that's can, right. Can you now get a hologram of an anime girl on it? Uh, no, you can't. In fact, you can't even get the lily as it oh. stood. Uh, yeah, sorry to say. So there was a bit of consternation that there wasn't a lot of movement, a lot of, not a lot of updates going around the lily drone. And also there was another project called Project Mavic that came in that pretty much did everything that the lily drone did and more. Anyway, a few days ago, um, they published uh, an update saying, Dear Lily community, um, in the past year, the Lily family has had many ups and downs. We've been delighted by the steady advancement in the quality of our product and received great feedback. At the same time, we've been racing against a clock of ever-diminishing returns. Uh, on it goes. Duh, duh, duh. We'd want to thank you for sticking with us and believing with us. Um, but uh, yeah, the product is, the company is winding down. And they are deeply saddened. I think they're, they're getting refunds out, but I think there's a bit of a delay on them. Mm. Uh, a few months. Uh, so uh, a bit of closure on that, mm-hmm. even if it's not what you want to hear. Kickstarter of the week. Mm-hmm. I've got biplate, a plate that reduces fat from your meal. Uh, I didn't know if it was going to be like a biannual thing again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you, well, you can probably get two of them in a pack. And the fact I think you get four in a pack. Here's a picture. We'll put it on the podcast. It looks essentially like a plate. Mm-hmm. Only difference being there's these little recesses in it, kind of like little pockets. Okay. And I think the idea is that with your greasier foods, oils run into them 
And when you're sort of scooping food up off the plate, you can't get into the recesses. So the oils stay collected there. And apparently this is meant to help you reduce your calorie intake by about 90 calories a day. Okay. I is don't know if that I'm... a lot of calories. I don't think that's a lot of calories. To give you an idea, I've currently on my watch got it set to burn 400 calories a day. That's apparently good for me. For me, mind. I started with 650. I kept letting it down, so it's lowered it to 400. <laughs> Achievable goals. Yeah. But, and I don't know if this is assuming you're going to eat pizza three times a day. Yeah, like it wouldn't work with everything, surely. No, it wouldn't. And I imagine there's probably quite a lot of good oils as well that you want to collect. Mm. So um, I, I personally just do what I do. Just when your pizza comes out the oven, dab it with a bit of cloth. Mm. You, you dab your pizza. <laughs> Yeah, you know, when it comes out and there's like orange grease all over the top of it, I just get like a sheet, uh, get a piece of, of tissue paper and just dab the top of it. Oh, okay. That's how I keep my trim figure. <laughs> oh, that explains Always a lot about me. <laughs> that, yeah. that and carting your massive laptop around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Trim figure and bad back all in one courtesy of the laptop. Okay, uh, that's us. Um Thank you all for joining me as ever. If anyone wants to get in touch, send us an email, podcast at unravelingtechnology.co.uk or tweet at us at unravelingtech, blog, unravelling.technology. Adam, fantastic article last week about the uh, New Year's computing resolutions. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. Another one of those this week? Maybe. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Little something to, you know, entice you with. For the meantime, go and watch uh, Awesome Games Done Quick. It's very good. Um, do leave us a review on iTunes if you haven't already that'll do it I think so from me, David Matt and <laughs> I don't forget your name, honest and Adam, <laughs> uh, thank you very much for listening and goodbye bye see ya